Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the simulcast. Going to do this on video and also recording a podcast at the same time. So just need to wrap up this season. This will be our last, uh, obviously, of the 2018-2019 season. And coming up pretty quick, we'll be starting the uh, the new season. So let's just jump right into it at this Data Monday. See how Rory got it done. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Welcome back. Okay, I've got everything set up. Hopefully, it's working okay. Looks like the uptake's not really good on the audio, so we'll fix that a little bit. That looks that looks good. Okay. So, thanks for joining me, Aaron Stewart, uh, here with you, Data Access Golf. Wow, what a season and what a way to wrap it up. Um, definitely some of the discussions going on today are, you know, player of the year and how that's uh, supposed to come about. Brooks Kepka, obviously, with the, the point scoring, um, won it as far as the PGA Tour goes. Now we're going to wait for the voting and see how that goes. Um, I don't necessarily see it going any other way. And we'll talk about that as we go over the data from, um, from Rory's big win. Um, I was super impressed with uh, Rory. I, I thought that he has... This has been a good year for Rory. I mean, let's wrap it all up. Rory has had a number of top 10s. Rory has mentally seemed to have just adjusted a little bit. And he played super consistent golf most of the year. Um, obviously, I think the, the, the one big thing that was a little surprising to all of us is when he didn't make the cut at the British Open, you know, on his home course. That was a little interesting but, um, and again, I want to apologize to our English friends. We say British Open just so we know what we're talking about. I'm not doing it to offend anybody, but around here, if you don't tell which Open it is, we get super confused because we've got like, at least here, we've got the Provo Open, the Utah Open. We've got Opens everywhere. Like every town has an Open. So if you don't really describe what it is, just by saying the Open can be super confusing. So again, Apologize to my English friends. I know that I get comments whenever I call it that. I don't mean to offend anybody. It's just, it's more descriptive. It just kind of helps us, it helps us um, dumb Americans know what we're talking about. Okay. Does that make everybody, my UK friends feel better about it? We'll just call ourselves dumb and we'll move on from there. Um, okay. So let's jump right into it. I was, again, really impressed with Rory. He obviously has um, I don't know. It's interesting because there's a there's a group of folks that believe that he is underperformed, underaccomplished, and then there's a group that thinks that Rory's exactly where he should be, and there's a group that thinks that he's that he's you know the best in the world right now. So it's I, I never like to get into sort of these discussions comparing one generation to another generation. That doesn't seem to be equitable in that it's impossible to take in all the different variables. But we like to throw out greatest of all time here, there, and whatever. Kind of hard to do that, um, but there's definitely some benchmarks. We use benchmarks to check to make sure that our play is up to um, where we'd like it um, based on benchmarks we use here at Data Access Golf, and we'll talk about those in a little bit as well. But um, yeah, it, it seems to me when it gets right down to it, the only way we can measure a person's place in history is by the tournaments that they've won. So that seems to be all we can remember. That seems to be all that we focus on. 
And of those, majors are the most important. And that seems to be where we can at least agree most often. And so we've got this, you know, we talk about Jack Nicholas and his 18 majors, and we talk about Tiger Woods and his 15 now majors, so kind of a big year there. Um, and then where does it all sort of settle out, right? The arguments of greatest of all time always seem to sort of eventually end up at the number of majors they have. And, and I think with player of the year, we're going to be looking that way as well. Okay, so I wanted to jump right into it just like we do every single week. We call it a Data Monday. This is obviously not Monday uh, for those of you that are coming to us live. And uh, for the podcast, it is Monday. But uh, we'll talk about some things. We had some problems getting hold of some data. The PGA Tour stats page wasn't working very well. So that was a bit of a challenge. But we eventually got most of them and good enough to get the show done and wrap it up for the year. So let's jump in and do that really quickly. I'm going to jump up on my screen. You'll see me looking up. I've got a screen above the camera that I look at and do my work on. So we'll pull that up really quickly here. There we go. And oh, I'm... You've got me sitting right there looking at it at, with you. So, so again, what we like to start with is go over sort of to get to know the champions a little bit better. So I always like to pull some information from Wikipedia and other sources, typically Wikipedia. But it was interesting. This is the first time that I've gone to Wikipedia. And uh, Wiki, do I have Wiki there? Is it a Wikipedia? I'll need to check that. I think that's weak. <laughs> anyway, I went to pull up some information. They hadn't updated yet with his latest win. And typically, they're so fast. But they didn't get that done. But anyway, we, we know. We know full well. And we'll get into how many cuts, how many victories, and all of that uh, going forward. So, um, yeah. So, for, uh, Rory McIlroy was, was a former world number one player for 95 weeks. Obviously, right now, he is not number one. But he did move up in the world rankings, and we'll talk about that in a, middle, a little bit. From Northern Ireland, um, why that is important, on, honestly, for a lot of different reasons. We had an Irishman win in Northern Ireland at the British Open earlier this year, and that was a big deal, Poli politically speaking. And we won't get into the, a lot of politics here on Data Access Golf, but that was a big deal. And everybody expected that it would be, um, you know, Rory McIlroy that would be in the hunt or a Graham McDowell, and there was... You know, Shane Lowry, who was an Irishman, not a Northern Irishman. And, but it still seemed to bring that whole group, all of, uh, all of uh, Ireland together, which was a, a very cool thing. Okay, Rory is one of only four players to win three majors by the age of 25, joining the likes of Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and Jordan Spieth. Okay, we will not talk about Jordan Spieth today. I promise you that. Bless his heart. Um, in 2011, at the age of 22, he became the youngest player to win, to reach $10 million in, of euro, $10 million euros, um, on the European tour. So fastest to do that at age 22, he was worth over 10 million, had winnings of over 10 million bucks. Um, euros are worth more than bucks right now. So, and then, um, in 2012, um, he did the same thing, went over 10 million in career earnings on the PGA tour. So at the age of 23. So very accomplished and very wealthy from a very early age. And he's one of those uh, child prodigies. Like we saw Tiger Woods on the Bob Hope show when he was very little. And, and then there's that, that show, there's that show over in, in Britain of uh, Rory, very little swing at a golf club. I think he's wearing a Nike hat, something like that, which he wears now. So um, very interesting how that's worked out, right? These child prodig prodigies have kind of come up and embraced it. 
And I, I think that when you look at, uh, and this is something I've thought about all week, when you look at like a Rory McIlroy, a Tiger Woods, a Michelle Wee, you look at some of these um, folks that were sort of, I don't know, handed a label as kids to grow up and be spectacular um, in, in their sport. Each one of them's handled it a little bit differently. You even look at like a Lydia Ko now. And it's just sort of interesting to see how they figure out their way and if it works out and if it doesn't. And um, you see kind of a Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods kind of more similar now than I think that I've seen them in um, previously. And especially if Rory can get back to, to winning majors. And then you look at like a Michelle Wee and a Lydia Ko and some other young golfers and see how they're kind of, it's interesting. It's a definitely interesting conversation, but obviously not for, not one to have this day. And then Rory with his big victory at the FedEx Cup became the only other player to win two FedEx Cups joining Tiger Woods, which is, you know, in the game of golf, never bad company. Okay. So what did that do for our champion? Well, it took Rory McIlroy in the world golf rankings from number three to number two. So not a big jump for him, but he started the year at eighth. So a very good year for Rory McIlroy. Obviously, the World Golf Rankings are over a two-year period. So to move up six spots, and it gets very difficult when you get to the top. To, so to move up six spots over the course of the year is really quite, quite well done. He had a very, very good year to get that done. And obviously, in the FedEx Cup uh, rankings, he went from number five all the way up and won it. His goal entering into the week, which I thought was super fascinating, his goal was to win it outright. He didn't want to rely on you know, strokes. Um, he wanted to overcome the strokes with that Justin Thomas had and everybody else had. He just wanted to win it outright. And with that birdie on 18, he did exactly that. So Rory would have won the tournament no matter what. He played the best over the course of those four days. It wasn't some sort of a... And I, I do think that he probably did the PGA Tour a huge favor because had he not done that, we would have been talking about, well, for the four days, he wasn't the best player. But with Rory making that a goal and getting it done, he took care of all of that for the PGA Tour. So um, it probably make it a little easier to pay him the $15 million because he, he took a lot of the questions away that they probably would have had to deal with over that. So, uh, again, Brooks Kepka remains number one. And we'll look at that really quickly in our, really quickly in our next screen here. So... Um, yeah, you see that Brooks Kepka now is still has a considerable lead on Rory McIlroy for the number one for number one in the world. Um, and he has held that for boy, he finished the end of 2018 uh, number one in the world. And he's still number one in the world at the end of the at least the PGA Tour season. And there's a, a few little changes in there. You've got Rory jumping all the way from eighth to well, he's up from third to second. He started at eighth. Uh, Dustin Johnson actually dropped one, got bumped down there. But if you look here, you've got um, you've got uh, Justin Rose stayed the same, Justin Thomas stayed the same, John Rahm stayed the same, Patrick Cantley stayed the same, Tiger Woods stayed the same, and then you've got Xander Shoffley going from eleventh all the way up into ninth. And this, I did not know that Xander finished twenty eighteen at tenth. So with all his fine play and his victory and all that, he's only moved up one spot in the world rankings. I didn't know he was that high. So obviously very interesting. You see a Bryson DeChambeau who dropped up a point with Xander bumping him down. And, and then I get an interesting thing here too. Bryson DeChambeau finished the year at fifth in the world and now has dropped all the way to 10th. 
Um, looking at the final um, FedEx Cup season points, we see that obviously Rory McIlroy finished up at the top. Xander Shoffley in second place in the FedEx Cup. And then Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Tony Finau. And you can see there, I, you can see those three dashes, the number of wins. You've got Adam Scott, Tony Finau, and Hideki Matsuyama, who finished in the top 10, or at least tied for the top 10 in the FedEx Cup without a victory. Everybody else on that has won at least one. And then you've got Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy each winning three, uh, which obviously is pretty impressive. So that's how the year sort of wraps up. Obviously, there's going to be some more movement in the world golf rankings as we still have the European tour going on. And we'll and then we'll start the funny season, right? The PGA season will start up here in another week and we'll be back in we'll be back in it to the 2019 2020 season uh, soon enough. So. Okay, hopping now to the consistency scale. This is something that we look at. It's basically a, 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 a data point that tells us how consistent a player has been over the course of their career. I've broken them out based on, and, and again, these are my terms, but I like to know how players are doing. And you can see here we've got only Tiger Woods, and, and I only, this all resets when we start next year. So I only keep track of those that are uh, previous winners. In the year, I might leave, you know, a couple of these in here just so we can kind of get an idea going forward. But legends, only Tiger Woods has made over 90% of his cuts in his career. Uh, elite players include uh, Brooks Kepka, McElroy, Molinari, Dustin Johnson, Mickelson, Justin Rose, and Patrick Cantlay. Um, they have definitely, they are elite players making 80 to 89% of their cuts. Solid players make 70, 79 players. Of the, the, these are guys that are, been on the PGA, PGA Tour typically for a long time, know how to get the job done and, and get the wins done. Get a few wins here and there and a number of um, high enough finishes where they keep their card year to year. And Holmes, Mitchell, and Paul Casey fit into that category. You've got the good players that are right on the fringe. Sometimes they don't quite make it and sometimes they are just fine with Kisner, McDowell, Pan, Palmer, Na, winners this year. And then Connors, Homa, and Kang, They've made less than 59% of their cuts and would have lost their cards had they not won. Roy McIlroy, for as far as his consistency rating goes, he's played in 168 tour events and he's made 145 cuts, which puts him at an 86% uh, rate, um, which is it's, it's great, obviously. Um, Brooks Kepka for the entire year, he only missed one cut the entire year. So he was well up into the 90% and had a legend year. Uh, for sure. Rory was actually right below him. So interesting in that category. And now we're going to get to move right into, boom, the benchmarks. And I love the benchmarks and I love talking about the benchmarks. You'll see there in scrambling, for whatever reason, I couldn't get scrambling out of the PGA Tour stats. It just wasn't available. Uh, but I was able to go around to different sources and find everything else. So we're pretty close. I don't see us changing these benchmarks for, these are obviously benchmarks that we created based on 2018 numbers, but they've held up so true. And I've been running them now for three weeks with the 2019 numbers when they ended the season, uh, when, when they ended the season, they started the playoffs and they still look really solid. So it, it, nothing really changes year to year. So I still think these benchmark numbers will be solid going forward, which is important because these are the numbers that I use in the app, the soon to be released app. Man, that's taken a long time. It's driving me crazy, but we're getting closer. Okay, so for this tournament, driving accuracy, Rory McIlroy hit 64% of his fairways, and typically 
in 2019 hit 62% of his fairways. So he was two points higher than that. And Eastlake was set up tough. I mean, it was a tough test of golf this time around. I find it so fascinating that it's not consistent. Like Eastlake has been sometimes super hard and sometimes it's been pretty inert. And uh, I just find it really interesting. The player, I don't think the players really know what they're going to get when they go to Eastlake because it's been so different from year to year, which is cool. I think that's really great. Um, our driving accuracy benchmark, essentially meaning that if we are hitting less than 55% of our fairways, then we would mark that as an area of our game that needs attention. So, but Rory McIlroy, obviously uh, above 55% with 64 and 62. Those who were below that number for the 2018 season, Phil Mickelson, Tony Finau, and Jimmy Walker. Okay. So Tony Finau has proven that, I'm, actually, I'll be really interested to see what uh, Tony Finau's, I'm going to have to go and adjust these numbers. For the 2019, I'll see if Tony Finau seems to have been driving the ball a lot better since he moved to that ping driver. It'll be interesting to see how he uh, ended up this year. But I looked at it a little while ago, and I think he was up into the 60s. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that number didn't come up. All right. And for greens and regulation uh, for the tournament, this was interesting that Rory McIlroy hit 69% of his greens. He averaged 69% of his greens in 2019. So he's right on the button. Our benchmark is 65%. So here it is. The winner of the of the the Tour Championship only hit four points higher than our benchmark for his greens and regulation. Kind of tells you how tough the course was. We usually see that a little bit higher with our champions, but that just kind of goes to show you how tough the um, the course was. And you know what? This is the wrong. I'm going to get rid of that. Okay, cool. And then you've got um, Rory. Let's see, sand saves. So Rory McIlroy typically averages 55% in 2019. He got up and down 80%, which was a big deal uh, for the Tour Championship. And that's considerably higher than the 45% we have at, as our benchmark. And I've got a few people listed there. Bubba Woodson, Watson and Gary Woodland get up and down less than 45% out of the sand. His strokes gain putting was only slightly better than his Tour average, uh, the 2019 average of 0.425. Only 0.5451. So we have seen, like last week, Justin Thomas won that tournament with some really hot putting. That wasn't the case with Rory McIlroy. He did not. He putted what he normally does, and he didn't win every single week. So he actually got it done doing some other things. And if we see that his, his um other than sand save, everything else is pretty close to what he normally does, which just means that's how much harder the course was. Course was tough this week is what the data tells us. Um, for scrambling, I don't have a tournament number for his scrambling numbers up and down. 63% is what he averages for all of 2019. And our benchmark for that is 55%. So anything around the green, getting up and down in two, we want to do that 55% of the time. This is the thing that I found super shocking out of all this data. Roy McIlroy makes 93% of his five-footers. That is awesome. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So Rory really, I mean, in order for his scrambling numbers to be awesome, all of those numbers to get better, he just has to get the ball within five feet and he'll make 93% of them. Um, he has perfected what we talk about in our putting strategy. Make sure that we're practicing these five footers and in to make them so rock solid over 90% that it takes all the pressure off our short game around the green and out of the sand. Rory's done that. So now if he just tightens up his um, sand game, 
80% obviously is awesome. If you're 80%, so he, he got up and down for 80% of the time, right? So you would assume that he was able to get his sand shots within five feet and he makes 93% of them. See, so see how that kind of works out? That's why I really wanted to see his scrambling number for the week, but it just wasn't available. But I'm guessing it's pretty high. I'm guessing it's pretty good. Um, and we also that also tells us that in 2019, he was only getting up and down 63% of the time scrambling. He wasn't getting it in within that five foot mark because he's 93% from five feet. Okay, so very cool. And Rory's putting actually pretty solid, 28.4 putts per round, which means that he does have to get up and down. Right. And he does, he does do so to score as well and play as well as he did this year. All right. Now let's get into the fun stuff. The money. Obviously you want a lot more money than normal and we get it. And it was a bonus and all this, but still fun to look at. So the tour championship, obviously his prize money was 15 million bucks. His uh, score for the week was 267, which meant that he made $3.75 million per day. Right. And averaging a five hour round, he earned seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per hour. Which equals if you divide in that two hundred and sixty seven strokes, fifty six thousand one hundred and eighty dollars per stroke. OK, so if they take a little more time when they know that it's going that each stroke was roughly worth fifty six thousand dollars. Right. I mean, you'd expect them to play a little slower, wouldn't you? No, maybe. I heard some folks on the radio say that it didn't seem like they really cared about the money at all. Nobody seemed any more nervous than they normally are. They just went out and played their game. And if that's exactly how they were doing it, it's brilliant. And we talk about that a lot here at Data Access Golf of making sure that we are present and not bouncing around inside of our heads, making things more difficult on ourselves than they need to be. Um, Rory McIlroy then, he's made 145 cuts. His um, dollar per cut would go way up, but the PGA Tour doesn't count bonuses towards um, your prize money. Um, so it, we're just going to leave it as we're going to go as the PGA Tour goes. He makes three hundred thirty-five thousand, essentially three hundred thirty-six thousand dollars per cut. And so if we look at the money versus cut uh, list down there, you still got Tiger Woods there in first place with three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars per cut. But you've got Roy McIlroy now $30,000 behind him. You've got Dustin Johnson in third place at $288,000 per cut. You've got Brooks Kepka very close to Dustin Johnson at $286,000 per cut. And Justin Thomas actually dropped a little bit this year. Went down to $277,000 per cut. So those are our five leaders based on the winners this year. That has to reset now for next year and um, probably wait for a few weeks until we get that up and going. Some cool stats again on Rory for the week. I thought... Um, Obviously, Rory loves the FedEx Cup. I mean, over the years, he has earned in total $9.6 million, $9.7 million in prize money. But look at his bonus money, $31 million bucks in bonus money from the FedEx Cup. So just from the FedEx Cup alone, he has taken over $40 million home. So FedEx Cup, Eastlake, and Rory, they get along very, very well. And um, I'll bet at any time Rory wants to go to Atlanta, his wife would be like, knock yourself out, buddy. We'll see you in a few days, you know, bring home the cash. So that I thought that was pretty interesting. I saw that on Golf Channel when they were reporting on it and took, a, and took note of it. And um, let me see. Let's go to the next page here. Some, some other cool, I think, stats that came out of this as well. 
Um, so his 2019 accomplishments then for Roy McIlroy, he had three wins. We mentioned earlier, also Brooks Kepka has had three wins. Those are the only two. Um, if you throw in that $15 million, Roy McIlroy pulled in close to $23 million this year. So a really good year. Again, you, you're, you're throwing in 15 million. So if you, if you take that out, he's 7.785 million bucks for the year. Still great, but second to Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka pulled in almost nine million in prize money, or just over nine million in prize money. So, Brooks Kepka still right there, and then he's the first player to win the Players Championship and the FedEx Cup in the same year. So, just some kind of interesting stats there. And then to wrap it all up, I mean, this is the last obviously um, tournament of the 2019-18-19 season. So again, our quick review, Tiger Woods wins the Masters for his 15th. Brooks Kepka, we, we already talked about, won a major this year. Uh, so good to see Gary Woodland win. And then Shane Lauer, we discussed a little bit earlier. Everybody thought it was Rory or, or Graham or one of the local boys. But Shane Lowry, who's Irish, did win it. And it, it brought the whole place together, continent together, really. Uh, good stuff. Just one final note on the player of the year and how this thing has shaken out. Talked about it a little bit before. Uh, this is one of the important screens uh, that we talked about. It seems to be in, the, in professional golf, it's about majors. And that's really all we talk about. Brooks Kepka won a major this year. Rory didn't. Brooks Kepka won more money this year than Rory McIlroy wins. And Brooks Kepka is still ranked number one in the world. He is. Um, he will win player of the year. I just don't see how it goes any other way. And you can't take anything away from Rory McIlroy's year. It was awesome. Okay, so that is a wrap on Data Mondays for this 2018-2019 Data Access Golf podcast season. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks to start again on the new season. I'm really looking forward to it. Until next time, this is Aaron Stewart saying, please remember, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.